So take your Bibles, Romans chapter 1, please. Romans chapter 1, and I don't know if the custom is to stand, but if you wouldn't mind to stand for the reading of the Word of God tonight, and we'll be in Romans in chapter 1. Verse 8, here's what Paul says in verse 8. Paul says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means, now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Verse 13, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oft times I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, so as much as is in, as in me is. Let's read that again. Verse 15, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. In verse 9, I want us to read together that after that first comma there, for God is my witness, I want to read to the next comma right there. There's a thought right there, just kind of, it's kind of like shoved right in the middle of this verse, and it seems a little bit out of place, but I want us to read it together because it's really the, the focal point of our message, okay? So in verse 9, starting at the word whom, are you ready? Here's what he says. Whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Gospel of his son. Paul says he serves with his spirit. We're going we're gonna to dig into that tonight and figure out what Paul's uh, telling that church at Rome. And our message tonight is this. A church on a mission. A church on a mission. Let's pray and we'll get into the message tonight. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your word. God, thank you so much for the work of the gospel and how it works in the lives of people here at Riverside Baptist Church in St. Joseph and in Valley Avenue Baptist Church in Falls City and in Sri Lanka and in India and in Japan and how your word permeates and works in the hearts of men. Thank you for that. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for what your son has done on the cross for us. And we're so helpless. We're so unworthy. We're thankful. I pray that you would work in our midst tonight. I pray that you'd help me as I declare your word, that you would move me out of the way, and that you would speak through me, and that we would be attentive to your word tonight. In Christ's name that I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Church on a mission. So a mission is defined as a specific task with which a person or group is charged. Normally, that word mission is a military term. And so a soldier or an army will be given a directive from the commander, and that is their mission. Okay? And if everybody in the, in the war accomplishes their mission, there's a good chance that they'll win the war. And so that's what a mission is. The phrase on a mission is a term that's been used today in everyday speak, Someone who is on a mission is characterized as a person with intensity, focused, purpose, resolve about their mission. In fact, MiriamWebster.com even defines it 
the phrase on a mission as an undertaking, undertaking a task. Here's the important part of this. Yeah, I listen to this part of it. That one considers to be a very important duty. On a mission is an undertaking a task that one considers to be a very important duty. Can I say this? Having a mission and being on a mission are two very different things. You can be given a mission, and you can be given a directive, and you can have a mission and have something that somebody above you, an authority above you, has given you to do. And you can have a mission, but you can have that and not be on a mission, you see. To be on a mission means you've taken that directive, you've taken that mission, and you've made it important to you. There's a, there's a youth in our church, his name is Alex, he's a junior high uh, uh, teen in our church, and for whatever reason, he loves to make me coffee, which I love, I think it's of the Lord, he did that, and Alex loves making Brother Chad coffee, it's, it's awesome. And so I'll be working around the church, and he'll find me and say, Brother Chad, do you want some coffee? And about 80% of the time, I'll be holding my cup of coffee, like he didn't know, hey. And I have, almost always, yes, I have a cup of coffee. Sorry, Alex, I don't need a cup of coffee. I really appreciate how much you love coffee and how much you love to make me coffee, but here it is, I got it. Well, whenever the time comes, that 20% chance where I have just finished a cup of coffee and I have not yet made it back to my office to make another cup of coffee, he'll ask me, Brother Chad, the same question. I know he's going to ask, you want a cup of coffee? Yes. When I do that, laser focus. He's got a mission, okay? He is ready. He has received his task. He has received his directive, and he has made that task of utmost importance to him. This is his life right now, okay? And so you can see the man is on a mission, and nothing will pull him away from his task. And then you watch him, and and he's very analytical and everything, and you can just see the gears turning because I don't have my cup with me at that point, because I don't have coffee. If I have coffee, it's in my hand. So if I don't have coffee, it's not in my hand. And so I can see him. Okay, task number one, find Brother Chad's cup. Now that right there is a hard task, because it's all over the building. So I have to find Brother Chad's cup, and then I got to get to the Keurig in his office, and then I got to, and then he, when he gets that, and he has a directive, you, you do not talk to Alex. He just will blow right by you, get to Brother Chad's office. You can offer him candy, doesn't matter what's going on. The man loves making Brother Chad coffee, and I'm excited about that. But what I always say about him is this. That man's on a mission. He's, he's received a directive. He's excited about that directive, and nothing is going to get between him and accomplishing his mission. Okay? Another time is whenever pastor tells the kids after a night service that they can have uh, candy out of his pastor's candy jar. That means they were good that night. That means they were listening up. And the kids were sitting up straight and tall. So the kids in here sit up straight and tall. I don't have a, I don't have a candy jar. But pastor will always say, kids sit up straight and tall. And then if you do that, maybe you can get a candy out of the candy jar. Now, not very often do they get a candy out of the candy jar. But whenever, I know that when they have, because there's a swarm of kids who are going to blow by anybody. If there's an elderly lady out there, you need to warn them because the kid will go right through the walker. I'm telling you. They are on their way to the candy, and nothing will, direct, will take them off of their task. It's their mission, and they're on a mission, and they're excited about their mission. And so that's what it means to be on a mission. And so what's the church's mission? What's the mission of a church? Well, before you get to there, you have to back up and say, what is a church? And a church is the ecclesia, a called-out body, assembly 
of people. And it's not just a called out assembly of people. And we focus on that because there is, there is doctrine out there that, that does mess with that. And it's not a universal body. And to be a church, it has to be local. And to say local church is really a redundant thing. It's like saying wet water. It's like saying good coffee. Well, there's bad coffee. It's not like that. But I'm just saying it's, it's redundant because every church is local. That's what it is. It's an assembly. It's people gathered together. But it's not just an assembly. It is a called out assembly to accomplish a specific purpose. And, and Jesus' church, Christ's church, is a called out assembly of baptized believers that have been called out for a specific purpose. Christ's purpose. Paul talks about the church as a body. And the head of the body is Christ. And so the body accomplishes the purpose of the head. And Christ is the head of the church. And so the church is called out to do the purposes of Christ. And what is the purposes of Christ? Well, this is a faithful saying, that Christ has come into the world to save sinners. And the purposes of Christ is to get the gospel to the world. In fact, Jesus called away his church to himself in Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20, the Great Commission, and, and you know what that is, where Jesus pulled, called out his church to him, the church he established, the church that he called out. And before he ascended, he said, I'm leaving, but I'm going to give you my power. And here's your job. Here's your purpose. Here is your mission. Your mission is teach all nations. Spread the gospel to all nations. Tell them what I did. Tell the gospel of Christ. They need to hear it. And then he says, baptize them after they're saved. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teaching them to observe all things and disciple them. And this is the mission of the church. Teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the mission of the church. And that's the mission that God has given to Valley Avenue Baptist Church. And that's the mission that God has given to Riverside Baptist Church. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a lot, if you were to walk out and talk to people on the streets, that I don't think that would be the answer you would get very often if you ask them, well, why, is, why are churches even around? Why do they exist? And you'll get answers like, well, to, to serve the community. And you'll get answers like to feed the poor and to help people. And, and all of that is good, and, and there's a place for all of that, but that's not really our primary mission. We're not, listen, the church does not exist to take care of and help physical needs, necessarily. Now, there is a place for that. I'm not saying don't help anybody. But what I am saying is churches oftentimes get off the mission and are so concerned about serving the community and helping all of these physical problems, and they're putting out fires physically all over the place where they forget their mission, which is spiritual need, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the mission of the church is the gospel and, and, and meeting people's spiritual needs. That's what the purpose of the churches. And you know that, and I'm not saying Riverside Baptist Church, hey, figure it out. I'm not saying that at all. We've sung, we've sung and got excited about the gospel all night tonight, but this is the mission of the church. Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to in, introduce the lost to God and what God has done for them, to show them their spiritual need. As Paul will go on for four more chapters after this, and he'll explain that all of mankind is hopelessly lost. Hopelessly lost. And by the way, Paul spends three and a half chapters convincing mankind just how hopefully lost, hopelessly lost they are. We're wicked. And Paul says, there is none that doeth good. And he says, no, not one. Well, what about, no. 
Not one. Well, what about this guy? No. There is none that doeth good. And we are hopelessly lost. And he takes three and a half chapters convincing. And then he takes six verses to tell us that Jesus came to save man. You know why? Because we need to be convinced, don't we? It's hard for us to accept the fact that we are without Christ fully and totally lost. We are lost without him. There's no uh, good works that we can do to be saved. There's no baptism that can save you. There's no church membership that can save you. We are hopelessly lost and we deserve the wrath of God. It's hard to accept. But it is the truth. And then he takes six verses to say this. You deserve the wrath of God. But Jesus came and took the wrath of God for you. And that's a blessing. And that's what Paul went on to say. And it's this, that is the stated mission of the local church, which is to tell others the gospel of Christ. And if that is the mission of Riverside Baptist Church, then as a member of Riverside Baptist Church, that is your mission. Because the church is not just the leadership of the church. The church is, what did we say the church was? An assembly. So that's everyone that assembles, all the members of Riverside Baptist Church. You are Riverside Baptist Church, and the church isn't the building. And you know this, the church is the people of Riverside Baptist Church. And so if the church has been given the mission, the gospel of Jesus Christ, then that means as a member of Riverside Baptist Church, you have been given a mission. You're on a, you have a mission. You do. Can I ask you this? If, if you're saved tonight, why did God leave you here? You ever thought about that? If you're saved, why did God just not take us right up? I mean, that'd be pretty great. <clears throat> but think about it. Why, why would God leave Christians on this earth? Is it so that we can worship God? Well, we ought to worship God, but we'll do that better in heaven, right? Is it to praise God? Well, again, we ought to praise God, and He is worthy of our praise, and I'm glad we sang it out tonight. But I'm telling you, we'll, we'll praise him purely in heaven. Is it to live for God? Well, we ought to live for God. But I'm telling you, we'll be sinless in heaven, living exactly the way he intended. So why did he leave you here? The only logical reason why God would leave a saved person on this earth is for this. Tell others. Others need you. And God, I don't know why, but, but God did not plan to just drop gospel pamphlets throughout the sky every day to give people a chance to know the gospel. No, no, no. He has called the churches to reach the lost. And that is our directive. That is our mission. That is what we are called to do. And so you have a mission. So my question is this. You have a, you have a mission, but are you on a mission? You have a mission, but are you on a mission? Have you recognized your mission? Have you recognized your mission and made it of utmost importance to you? Have you determined that nothing, I mean nothing, will distract you, nothing will deter you from accomplishing your mission of reaching the lost? What are you, what are you doing, Chad, Brother Chad? Why are you yelling at us like this? I'm not yelling at anybody. But what I am saying, it is in us, isn't it, to at times kind of get off track from our mission. it's it's sad to say, but sometimes we hear the gospel and we're like, I just gave the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a lot of us might have been in here like, okay, Brother Chad, I get it. I've been in church for a long time. I know the gospel. Hey, if that was your attitude, 
there, there's a chance you've been a little bit off track from your mission. Because when you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, you ought to be pretty excited about that. Because, first of all, it changed your life. And by the way, Romans 5 through 8 talk about how the gospel, it doesn't just save you, but it, it, it continues your Christian growth. And the gospel is central and vital to the Christian life after you're saved. And so the gospel, you need to be excited to be reminded of the gospel every time you hear the word of God and hear the gospel preached. But then there's a chance that someone in here needs the gospel to be saved. And so when the gospel is preached, we need to be pumped about it. We need to be excited about it. But I'm, I, sometimes, here, can, this is a sad reality and a sad statement, but sometimes we get used to the gospel. That's, that's a sad statement, but if we're honest with ourselves, it's a true statement. That I, I say sometimes, but I might even venture to say oftentimes, if you're a member of a Bible-preaching church, you're here on a Sunday night, you'll probably be here on a Wednesday night, there's a chance that you get used to the gospel and get used to the fact that you're a worthless sinner, that God Almighty came and became a human being to save you. That God Almighty, while we were yet sinners, became a human being and he died on the cross for us. We ought never let that get old. We can't let that get old. And the Apostle Paul The Apostle Paul was the Apostle Paul. His life was going around saying the gospel over and over and over to everyone he met. He just kept telling people the gospel. And and he would just go to the synagogue, city to city by city by city, and out in the open and wherever he could and wherever people would listen. He was all about the gospel. He was around the gospel every day. And you know what the Apostle Paul was still in the book of Romans, which, by the way, was one of the last books he wrote, he was excited about the gospel after a lifetime of spreading the gospel. Well, how do you know that? Well, that phrase that I had you read, it's a parenthetical thought, which means it's kind of like shoved in there. Go ahead and look at verse number 9 again. He says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. And then he continues his thought. You can take that phrase out, and it still makes total sense. Like, let's take the phrase out. And I'm not deleting the Bible, okay? Don't throw stones at me. But I am telling you this. It's a parenthetical thought, which means it doesn't really need to be there to make sense. Watch. For God is my witness that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. So he could have just not had that in there, right? It's like it almost feels like an, just, he just filled in pages. But Paul doesn't, the Apostle Paul doesn't fill pages, does he? And so really, this thought right here, actually, when you study it, is really central to this whole passage. And I believe the entire point of this passage that we read tonight is the central idea, I believe, when he says, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. That links to what he said before, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, to what he's going to say after that. We'll get to all that in a second, but first, let's talk about that phrase, okay? Are we doing good? I know it's nighttime, and... We've already had a lot of preaching, and I might be saying too much and making you think too much, but let's focus on this this parenthetical thought for just a little bit, okay? I won't be too long, I promise, right? Yeah, preachers do that all the time. Okay, here's what he says. Whom I serve, so who's whom? Obviously, that's God, and he's serving God. And so what that means is he's on a mission, and it's not his own mission. You see? He's serving God. This is God's mission. 
And God, he considered his master, and servant is a very strong term. It's basically a slave, like whatever God says, I will do. And he's on God's mission. That's the first thing. And then he says this, whom I serve with my spirit. That means that Paul was fulfilling his God-given mission with all of his being, with my spirit, with who I am, inside and out. My gospel mission, the mission that I have received from God is, is is what is my life. He puts his entire being into it. Yeah. That's what he means. And then what is the mission? Well, it's this. In the next words. In the gospel of his son. And so the mission that he's received from God, the mission that he is trying his best to complete with all of his being is this. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul was telling the Romans that his gospel mission was his passion and he wholeheartedly gave himself to accomplishing that mission. Paul was a man on a gospel mission. And can I say this? The gospel needs to be our passion. The gospel needs to be our mission. And although none of us have, been, have the same apostolic calling as Paul, and nobody alive today has the same apostolic calling as Paul, that, that might be true, but that does not mean that we're not reached, I'm sorry, we're not called to reach the lost with the gospel. We've all been given that mission. We now have the message that Paul was given was giving here. We all have the message that Paul was delivering. It's right here, the Word of God, and we have it. And now, it, is, it was Paul's calling to bring us the Word of God, but now that we have the Word of God, it is now our calling to deliver the Word of God to all who will listen. That's our mission. We have a mission. But we need to be on a mission. We need to get excited about it. Hey, we need to, we need to do this with all our being. This needs to be at the, not just the back of our mind, but at the forefront of our mind. And as we see souls walking around in St. Joseph, Missouri, they're not just people in our way that are, that are distracting us from what we think is our mission. In fact, those people are our mission. Those are souls that need to hear the gospel of Christ. The gospel is our mission. And have, I, I have, there's a chance that we have allowed our mission to be distracted. And so what Paul does here is, is there's two things that a man who's on a gospel mission, and you might be wondering today, all right, uh, okay, Brother Chad, I get it. I got a mission, and I need to be on a mission, but how do I know if I'm on a mission or if I'm not on a mission? How do I know if the gospel really is what it should mean to me? How do I know that I'm making the gospel my passion and my mission? And so the first thing is this, a gospel mission will make you excited about the work of the gospel. And Paul's gospel mission made him thankful and excited for what's happening in Rome. Look in verse number 8. He says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken spoken of throughout the whole world. Paul is excited. Paul is hearing about the work that's happening in Rome. And I haven't said this yet, but Paul, he's not been to Rome yet. When Paul writes to them, he's not been to Rome, and that's partly why Romans is such a big book, because he has not been there in person to give them the gospel in person, but Paul has heard about what's happening in Rome, and Paul has heard that the gospel is spreading in Rome. In fact, Paul says the faith of the church at Rome has exploded and has been talked about throughout the entire world. 
The gospel's working in Rome. And Paul's hearing about that. And listen, when Paul hears that the gospel is at work somewhere, do you know what happens inside Paul? He's excited. And he talked about how that he wants to be there. But But first of all, he's saying, I'm thankful. I'm so excited. I can't tell you how happy I am that the gospel is working there in Rome. If, if you're on a gospel mission and you hear that the gospel is at work somewhere, that means you're going to be excited about it. Yeah. If you look at all the walls throughout here, and I don't know exactly how you guys handle the missions letters. Maybe you go by and read them. Maybe you come up here and read them to the congregation. And you, listen, if you hear missionaries talking about how that they were able to reach these many people and they've been able to maybe plant this church and that church and maybe they even listed specific names of people that have been reached with the gospel and their eternity has changed, I, I hope that you're excited when you hear that. And if you hear that and you're like, yeah, okay, the missionary, another missionary letter and another guy got saved and all that, well, then there's a chance Listen, if you're not excited when you hear about missionaries reaching people with the gospel, there's a chance that something has distracted you off your mission. You might have been distracted from your mission if you're not excited about the work of the gospel. I'm excited about what God's doing here. From the moment I showed up, I've heard about what God's doing and and the visitors that have been here. And and by the way, when I'm here and I see new faces every time I come, and I want to tell you, I am excited about what God's doing at Riverside Baptist Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And I can tell that whenever I gave the report of all that God's doing and how the gospel is spreading forth and reaching people in Falls City, I've seen some people get excited. I've heard some amens. I heard some, that's right, praise the Lord. And you know what those, what I see there? Those are some people on a mission. And maybe if you, some, some of you are like, Brother Chad, I don't really like to yell. But I saw some of your eyebrows covered like this. To... No yell, but, oh, there's a man on a mission. There's a man who's made the gospel important to his life. There's a man who's excited about the work of the gospel. I wasn't looking around and trying to figure this out, but There might have been some of you who heard what God's doing in Falls City or what God's doing in other places in the world through the gospel, and it's just like, hmm, cool. What show is on tonight again? Oh, yeah. And and you're you're somewhere else. And it could be, and I'm not saying that you're living in some sin and and you're you're, a... your, your, your walk with God is through the floor. I'm not saying anything like that, but there's a, it's really easy to just get not excited about the gospel anymore. It's really easy to forget. Yeah, hello, when we say that someone was saved, here's all that means. Their eternity is different. Here's all that means is that there were two ladies saved this morning at Valley Avenue Baptist Church, and there was one saved here. Is that right? And so... That, what that means is yesterday, if they were to die, they would spend forever and ever without end in a place called hell that really exists. And now, if they were to die right now, in the middle of service, back at Valley Avenue Baptist Church, that'd be scary and a bummer and kind of weird. But if it happened, they would be in heaven forever, forever and ever with God. I feel like we can be a little excited about that. But sometimes we get used to it. And I'm not bringing, I'm not, I'm not raining fire from heaven to, to consume anybody here. But what I am saying is, hey, let's not forget our mission. Paul was excited. Paul heard what was going on in Rome and he was pumped. 
Paul saw servants of God doing what they do, serving the Lord, advancing the gospel. Maybe he saw a young man up here song leading and singing with the guitar and, and, and blessing the, the church there and being a part of what's happening at the church and other servants of the Lord stepping up and doing their thing. And he, they're watching people and, that maybe, and he, he's excited about that. I hope you're excited about that. Oh, there he is. He's in the, wants the spotlight again. He's just up there for his own glory. No, I don't think that's true. I think he's there to serve the Lord, and we should be excited about when other people are advancing the work of the gospel. Paul was. Can I say this? This is a different passage. I don't usually do this, but Paul was excited whenever people who hated him were preaching the gospel. He was in prison, and people were bad-mouthing him and and preaching the gospel, and he said, well, the bad-mouthing me, I don't care about. What I am excited, they're preaching the gospel. Because his mission was the gospel. And that made him thankful when the gospel was advanced, no matter how that looked. But that's not where it ended. Paul's gospel gospel mission made him excited when other people were part of the gospel, made him excited when he saw other people doing what God wants them to do. Let me say it again. He was excited when other people were preaching the word of God and other people we're being reached by other people. But that's not where it ended with Paul, is it? Paul, hey, listen, Paul's gospel mission made him desire to be a part of the gospel, to be involved with the work of the gospel, and, and specifically what's happening in Rome. And Paul had a desire to be in Rome. Why did he want to be in Rome so bad? Because he wanted to be part of what the gospel's doing in Rome. He was excited, he was glad for what they were doing, but he really bad wanted to be there and get a piece of that. You know what I'm talking about? He's seeing other people doing what the gospel, advancing the gospel. He's seeing other people being involved, and he says, I want to be there, and I want to be a part of that, and I want to be a part of what God's doing with the work of the gospel. Look in verse 9. He says, for God is my witness, and then, again, we'll skip over that part. And He says that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Well, what's he praying about? Verse 10. Making a request, if by any means, now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. Paul wanted to be in Rome. Why did he want to be in Rome? Well, he wanted to help them. He said, verse 11, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift that you may be established. And so he wanted to help them as they were endeavoring to spread the gospel. He wanted to establish them in the gospel. But then he wanted, in verse 12, to be encouraged by them. And encourage them, in verse 12, that is, I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. And when you come to the house of God, that ought to be part of what your desire is. That you can be an encouragement to others while they also are being an encouragement to you. Do you know how that happens, by the way? Let's pause and, and park here for just a second. You know how it happens that church members come to church and just almost automatically are encouraged by one another? It's because they're on the same mission. Their, their main goal, their passions are the same. You ever heard the phrase, birds of, a, birds of a feather flock together? I don't know if you heard that. It's a phrase that I've heard. I don't know where I even heard it. But what that means is, if two people are very similar, they're going to find each other. 
Now, that's negative and positive, and we won't dwell on the negative part of that. But what I am saying is, when two people have the, have the gospel as their passion and as their mission in life, and they come together, they immediately encourage one another. What does that mean? Well, if you're here, and you're not immediately encouraged, there's a chance you might be off your gospel mission. You see? Because the people that are here, they're on a gospel mission. And if you were on a gospel mission, there's a good chance the mutual faith of you and them will encourage each other. But if you come to church and you're not uh, encouraged, in fact, you're discouraged, and you feel judged, and you feel like nobody likes you, it could be that maybe, just maybe, your, your mission has been distracted. And you're not, you're not making the gospel the main thing. It could be that. Because here's, what, here's the biblical principle. Two people who are on a gospel mission, they encourage each other. Yeah. And Paul wanted to be there to be encouraged. And to encourage. Yeah. But then he, here's what really he wanted to do. Really, in the end. He says in verse 13, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you. Uh, sorry, purpose to come unto you, but was led hitherto. Here it is. That I might have some fruit among you also. Paul wanted a part. Paul heard about the souls that were saved in Rome. Paul heard about the work that was happening in Rome. And he was excited about what was happening in Rome. But Paul wanted to have some fruit of his own. You see? Now, is he just being proud? Is he like, not fair. You get fruit, I don't get fruit. I don't think that's his attitude at all. He wants to be a part. He wants to be a part of that. He wants to get involved. He wants to do whatever he can, whether that's establishing the church or whether that's just encouraging a fellow brethren who are trying to do the work of God, or whether that's going out and preaching the word of God to the, God, to the Gentiles himself. Paul wanted to be a part of the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know why? Well, because he could put on his belt all the notches of all the saved people that, that are because of him. No, that's not it at all. It's because Paul recognized that eternity is real. And there is a God. And, if we're, and we are accountable to Him. And if people don't hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, they have no hope. And God has called Him. Here's why Paul was excited about being a part. It was His mission. And it wasn't His own mission. It was a mission from God. He said, I serve whom I serve. It's His mission. Yeah. Our mission, listen, if, if we're on a gospel mission... And we ought to have a desire to be a part of what God's doing. What does that mean for you? Well, here you are. Riverside Baptist Church. And the work is being done. And I, 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 I hear report after report about visitors that have come and, and people that have been saved and people that have been baptized and, and, and people's lives that have been touched by, by the work of the gospel. And, and I know that there are people doing the work here. And you might even be a recipient of that. And you might be coming to church every week, and, and even three times a week, and receiving what, what the work of the gospel will do for you. And the gospel does benefit you, whether you're lost or saved. And you might be here, and you're receiving, and receiving, and receiving the benefits of other people's work for the gospel. But you need to have a desire you need to have a desire to be a part. Yeah. How so? Well, you could witness and tell people your testimony. You can directly tell people 
Like Paul said, I want fruit. What that means is he wants to preach to the gospel, to the Gentiles. And he goes on to say that here. Uh, if you say, look in verse 15, so as much as is in me, again, that's that same phrase, everything in me, I want to, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome also. And so part of that is you can go out and you can directly tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're saved today, you ought to know it. Hopefully. I feel like there might be a lot of saved people that don't know the gospel at all, but that's not happening here. And if you're saved, you should probably know the gospel. And you can tell somebody else, be a witness, right? What does a witness do? It just tells people what happened to them or what they see. And what you've experienced is the gospel of Jesus Christ has touched you. What you've experienced is that you were one way, and then you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you heard what Jesus has done for you, and you accepted what Jesus has done for you, and now you're totally different. And you can tell other people about that. You can give them a gospel tract, and they can know what the gospel is. Hey, if, if no one tells them, how will they know? Can I say this? If you don't tell them, who will? Who's you? Riverside Baptist Church. That's you. If you're a member of Riverside Baptist Church, that's you. Hey, if people in St. Joseph, Missouri are going to hear the gospel, how are they going to hear it if it's not you? Are you going to wait around for other churches around there to give them hopefully a pure gospel? Because they'll tell them something. And hopefully they have enough information to be saved. But we ought not to rest easy with that. This is our mission. We need to tell people. But then that's not, only the, that's not the only way you can be involved. You can be involved with what's happening in the church service. There are plenty of things to be done. There are, there are grounds to be kept. There are buildings to be cleaned. There are toilets to be scrubbed. There are nursery kids to be watched. Amen. I don't know if you heard my kids, but woo, they're, they're in the nursery. And there's people in there serving the gospel in the nursery. And there are Sunday school classes. And, and, and listen, when, when, whenever, whenever there are kids being watched in the nursery, that means there are parents in this auditorium hearing the gospel. Whenever the grounds are looking nice, that means there's going to be a visitor come into the parking lot and not turn around and leave. Because it's gross. They'll park, and they'll come in, and they'll hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. When they go into the bathroom, they're not going to go back to their car. They'll stay, and they'll use the bathroom, then they'll come in the auditorium, and they'll hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, you see. And those children that are learning from a young age, I don't know how, they start at four at our church, from four on, learning the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you can be a part of that. Hey, you, and you can, not even just, not even any of that, just be here and encourage one another. That's a part, that's a way that you can be a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here, here's the main thing. Are you excited about serving the Lord? Are you excited about being a part? Then you're on a gospel mission. If you're content with sitting in your pew and receiving and receiving and receiving and benefiting from the work that others are doing for the gospel, and then that's good. And that's, I, I hope that you enjoy that. There, that you know there could be that yeah, you don't enjoy that at all. 
You don't want anything to do with the gospel. So I'm glad that you are excited that you are benefiting from the gospel of Christ. But I can tell you, it cannot stop there. There needs to be a desire. If there's not a desire to serve the Lord in some capacity, then can I just suggest that it's a chance that you've been distracted from your mission. There's a chance. So what is your mission? We all have a mission. We've been given a mission. We have that. But what are you making your mission? Is your family your mission? Now, family ought to be part of it. But really, the Lord needs to be our main mission. And as we serve the Lord, and as we give our lives to the gospel, then we'll, we'll be the husband that God wants us to be, and we'll be the wife that God wants us to be, and we'll be the, the father and mother that God wants us to be. But we can't, listen, we have to make God our mission. We have to. Is school your mission? Are sports your mission? Hey, are you more excited about investing in the stock market than you are investing in missionaries? Right? Are you more excited when your football team makes it to the Super Bowl than you are whenever someone gets saved in the house of the Lord? Well, I'm telling you, what I'm asking you is this. What is your mission? What is important to you? God has given you, if you're saved today, then you have a mission. God has given it to you. It is this. Reach others with the gospel. We should take that calling seriously. We should make that important to our life. Like Paul, we should give our entire being to the gospel mission that God has called us to. We need to be involved with serving and giving in our local church as we endeavor to reach St. Joseph, Missouri. And then and in Valley Avenue Baptist Church as we endeavor to reach Fall City, Nebraska. And then we need to be involved with giving to missionaries so that they can be involved with taking the gospel to wherever they are. Yeah. We need to be involved with telling others about the gospel of Jesus Christ, inviting them to church so they can hear more about it here at church. When's the last time you invited someone to church? When's the last time you stopped being annoyed that they're in your way and instead of saying, hey, I'd like to invite you to Riverside Baptist Church? We need to be involved in supporting missionaries. If I, if, listen, here's the thing. If you don't have a desire, if you're not excited about the work of the gospel, if you don't have a desire to be a part of the work of the gospel, then I just want you to examine your heart. This is between you and God. This is not about me at all. I don't even know where most of you are in life right now. I'm thankful that I've been able to be acquainted with m- many of you. And you've been an encouragement to me. And, and I hope that when we're here, we're an encouragement to you. But I don't really know exactly what's happening in your life. And I'm not bringing condemnation on anybody. Hopefully you're hearing this message and you're saying, yeah, I am excited about the gospel. You hit it, Brother Chad. The gospel is important. And yeah, I do hear missionaries and people getting saved. And I'm pumped about that. And that's exciting. And I love serving here at Riverside Baptist Church. Hopefully that's your, that's your attitude about all this. But it could be that maybe we're not as excited as we used to be when we hear God working in other places. It could be that we aren't excited about serving the Lord in our local church, reaching people with the gospel. It could be that we've gotten used to the gospel. It could be that we've gotten used to our ministry. It could be that we have forgotten what it is that God has called us to do. Don't allow yourself, listen, don't allow yourself to be distracted from your mission. And, and, And it's not something that's just gonna happen. It's a decision you're going to have to make every single day. This is my mission. And you have to force it to the forefront of your mind. 
because your flesh isn't going to help you there. And, and the world isn't going to help you there. We need to make a decision. I have a mission. And there is nothing more important to me than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for what your son did. Lord, you know who we are tonight. Even us that are saved. Lord, we are still sinners. And Lord, we're still deserving of your wrath. And Lord, we're so thankful for what your son has done to come and to live a sinless life and to die for us. Help us to get excited about that again. If we've lost our fire over the last year or even the last week or even a couple days, Lord, that we would rekindle that fire and be excited about the gospel. Pray that you be glorified in all that we do tonight. Christ in my prayer. Amen. You may